Hey there, everybody. It's the Lincoln Law Pod. Tracy here with PPI. What's up, Pete? And only PPI. What's up, Tracy? <laughs> it's a duo tonight, Tracy and PPI. We're here to talk about the Lincoln Lawyer episode nine, The Uncanny Valley, which is a reference to uh, something we heard early on in the season about Trevor Elliott's big win in the gaming industry crossing the uncanny valley. So this episode was written by Chris Downey and Ryan Williams and directed by Alonzo Alvarez Barreto. So before we get in to all the fun and reveals of episode nine, um, I do want to make sure you stay tuned at the end because we have showrunner Ted Humphrey back with the Lincoln lawyer actor himself, Manuel Garcia Rufo. So we have both of them in an interview at the end of this week's podcast, and then part two of that at the end of our finale podcast when that comes around. So definitely stay tuned for that. I know you'll enjoy it. All right, Pete, episode nine. I have to say this was like an avalanche of reveals in this episode. Would you agree? So here's my thought process. Well, first of all, let me just say, when you interview Ted Humphrey, I hope you have all our questions remembered that we had all throughout <laughs> all the episodes. So you can ask me one. Uh, I have a list of no, I'm joking. Um, so in this episode, a lot of, like I said, I expected everything that happened in this episode to happen amongst two episodes because okay. we had nine and 10 left. Mm-hmm. So as this stuff was happening and we hit like all the major reveals, I'm like, what's, what's going to be episode 10? Yeah, yeah. At the end of the episode, when, when the credits rolled, I understood what's going on for episode 10, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And we'll get to mm-hmm. that later. However, yeah. I felt like I was really shocked with how much was being revealed right. as we went along. Exactly. I, I also felt like it was a very intense, thrilling episode because yeah. you kind of know he's going to pull it off at this point. You just mm-hmm. don't know how. Right. right. What is he going to say? So you're hanging on every word both of them say to see when does he get it? Yeah. Yeah, that was my main takeaway from this episode. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah, we we got a lot of information. So I kind of had the same thing. I was like, well, what's going to happen in 10? You know, there's more to the story. So, well, let me just let me just jump in right there. Because before the end happened, I really started thinking, are we just going to go into a setup for season two now? Okay. like, let's go show Cisco's story. Let's go show um, his story, her story. Let's go back here. Let's go like, let's go back to all these guys and build this, the characters up to have everybody looking forward Mm -hmm. to something for season two until, like I said, the end, which I don't know if you want to call it a cliffhanger or shell shocker, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Yeah. But like I said, we'll get to that. Oh yeah, we will. Well, let's start out. Why don't we talk about what's going on with Angelo Soto and the case against him. We've got Maggie and Lankford still working to bring him down. Their goal right now is to pin David Laresca, the key witness in the, in the grand jury, pin down the, the killer, the shooter of David Laresca, and, and be able to associate that with Soto. That's the angle they're taking now. So last episode, they did the shenanigans with the phone the cell phone with Alvin Aquino, who's like delivers the flowers for the Namayan flower shop. So they did see on that cell phone data that his phone was in proximity to where David Loresca was shot. So they think we got him, right? So they bring him in, they're questioning him. And it turns out that he has a signature from the priest at a church, just kind of around the corner. 
So they can't nab him on that. So they've hit another stumbling block. Does this mean Alvin Aquino didn't do it? I don't necessarily think that's the case, but he's got, you know, like I guess an alibi, you'd call it. So that really puts a, a wrench in their process. So then they have to, they have a couple things. They have to figure out how are we going to proceed with this case and how are we going to make sure that Soto doesn't get tipped off that Tanya's involved because, you know, she's the one who told them about the flower shop and how they went down that path. So they're hoping that maybe the, the gang that associated with the flower shop, that maybe Alvin Aquino thinks someone in the gang just, you know, ratted him out or snitched. So they, they kind of got that at play too. They're, they're worried about, you know, if they can, if they're going to be able to continue things with Tanya, is that at risk? So what? <laughs> Listen, okay. A couple <laughs> thoughts, a couple thoughts real quick. So we talk about this all the time. I'm always trying to break down scenarios, no matter it's Bosch or Lincoln lawyer, whatever podcast we're doing. And, you know, we always say Pete thinks like a criminal, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in this state, in this case, these are smart criminals. We mm-hmm. don't normally get this in TV. Uh, honestly, <laughs> yeah. the TV show, The Wire, I, I'm sure everybody's heard of it. It probably has some of the smartest criminals as far as streets are concerned, whatever. But I'm just saying a smart criminal thinks about things. So, yes, this guy can have a signature that he could have gotten that's dated times, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Who knows how friendly people are with other people? They think things out and they plan things. So when the cops do come knocking on their door, they like don't have their. Yeah, like having their bases covered. Yes. So it's just that simple. And these people are just going to get this poor girl hurt, is my point. Mm -hmm. The cops are pushing. They're doing all this crazy stuff. These criminals are smart. Someone's going to get hurt real bad. And, you know, it's always the the innocent person that has no choice. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like uh, it it gets me angry here sometimes. I don't know. So you're worried. (laughs) You're worried for Tanya already. Is that right? Uh, Aren't you? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm just I'm just seeing if you are as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're dealing with dangerous people on both ends. And I'm yeah. not saying that the, the cops are bad, but they are dangerous. They're in a dangerous line of work. Yeah. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah. yeah. They just keep running into obstacles or, you know, they think, well, we'll get him this way. OK, well, that we'll get him this way. We'll get him this way. So now and that's, late- and that's my point, Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. When 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 you're trying something risky and it doesn't work. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Try it the second time. A new plan. It doesn't work. Stop. <laughs> yeah. It kind of, it kind of leaves you more vulnerable each time, you know, that something doesn't work. It's kind of, I would yeah. think that's kind of how my, my mind thinks about it. But they have to, because they have pressure from their bosses, which we all deal yeah. with on a regular scale for the most part in life. And yep. things got to get done. And like I said, they have dangerous jobs and they have to play dangerous games. So now they want Tanya to wear a wire. So Maggie goes to Mickey to see if that's, you know, if, if he agrees for her to do it. And then his opinion is, you know, he doesn't want her to be in any danger, but if she wants to do it, you know, then, you know, oh, well, go ahead. So, you know, he'll be supportive. So they do reach out to Tanya and she does agree because she's, I, I, have you noticed, she's become very accustomed very quickly to this idea of having a life with her child without Angelo Soto. Like from the minute they mentioned that she could, you know, they could help her have this life without him. She was, you know, totally on board. And so she doesn't want to go back now. She's, I, I, so I, I wonder how, not stable, but how, is that affecting her thinking? Do you think? It's, it, to me, it's a comparison of like, hey, Tracy, would you swim 
across this hundred foot um river if there was shark infested river if you made it across no matter what condition you were in you're guaranteed for your family to have a billion dollars right be set yeah. for life yeah you know so you're starting to think now okay even if a shark takes my leg uh, yeah if that was the trade-off if someone said hey i'll take your leg off for a billion dollars of your family said you'd anybody would take it yeah yeah. So it's just like I said, I feel like they offered her something that seems so easy. Like, oh, just swim across this thing. It's just a couple of <laughs> sharks. They're not hungry. Like, yeah, you'll make it in whatever condition you're in. You'll be have a great life and we'll take care of you. But now it's time to make it across the river. And there's also alligators there. Right. And I'm not so, trying to call her like desperate, but I think that sounds like a negative portrayal. But I think she's just so impacted by this the idea of this life without him well, look like, where she free. was and look where she yeah. could potentially go i mean yeah yeah so so she she's on board she she goes for it so let's just move right into it she agrees to do it they wire her up she comes home to their house and angelo soto he's kind of pacing he's a little stressed out he because he knows someone has kind of snitched somewhere and she's trying to comfort him and <laughs> It's just, you know, it makes me laugh because, like, he knows, they, they know he knows someone snitching. Right. They have and, her there snitching. I know, in his face, like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it makes me laugh because, like I said, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, this, this, I mean, I don't think the show's going to get that dark, but, you know, this it looks is like a lawyer. Can, and yeah. It looks like it cannot it, end well. <laughs> and it's also the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So because yeah. we're almost at the end of the season, something big has to happen. So while I'm watching, I'm like, is her dying going to be their big arc for, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 storyline? Is that going right. to be a thing that's going to be a big telling point for episode 10? So yeah. now I'm sitting there watching, hoping that this poor lady doesn't get hurt. Yeah, no, me too. It, it, it does. It, it feels, feels stressful. And so he tells her that, you know, one of his employees was questioned by the police. You know, the, he, we're talking about Alvin Aquino. And then Tanya puts another idea in his head. She says, well, maybe the employee is, is the one that's, that's lying to you. And he gets mad. She tries to, you know, to comfort him. And he tells her, don't believe all the, you know, the bad stories and things that, that people say. I'm trying to make people's lives better. You know, people want to spin it like I'm this bad guy, but I'm trying to make people's lives better. And then she kind of like things built up. You know, she's got this true emotion about her situation. And she asks him well, how is my life better? She, and, and, you know, even Lankford down in the car on surveillance says, you know, she goes off script, you know, she wants to know how her life is better. And then she wants to know if he killed that guy talking about David Loresca. If you want to break it down, he's hurt a lot more than he's helped. Oh yeah. And I think she goes with it at first because she's supposed to, you know, she's trying to, she's got the wire. She's trying to get the information. She's running with it. But I think just like you said, when he, when he says that, it's just so such a bold statement that's so untrue that she just, I think it makes her mad. You know, it's just so obviously not true that she just sort of snaps and like, well, how's my life better? You know, and then asks about him killing them, killing the guy, David Loresco. And then he, that gets him, he gets all up, built up emotionally and angry. And he says, yes, he did it, but he did it for their, their family. And so she kind of calms back down and tries to hug him and comfort him. Yeah, you know, she doesn't want this thing to go off the rails. But then you see the the um, understanding, you know, the realization in Soto's eyes, and he realizes that she could be the mole, you know, the person that's that's uh, giving information about really? his feelings. <laughs> <Her>? <laughs> 
imagine that. So, uh, and then he yanks at her shirt, he sees the wire, and then he just hangs her. Well, I, I, I got a little confused with that scene because is it a glass balcony? Like she wasn't hanging yeah. over something, was she? I wasn't sure how that, because I thought she was going over at first. And then I did too. I thought maybe they're going to do one of those low blow kicks where he flips over okay. and then it puts her into a spot where she's like a murderer. Oh, yeah. Because like, that, that's a tangled web itself to have to unravel. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. you know me, I'm always looking forward towards what's going to fill season 10 now with all this stuff happening. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't, at first I thought they were going over and they didn't go over. Then, you know, he kind of held, yeah, like you said, held her or hung her. I'm not sure what it was. Um, yeah, I think it was like a glass railing or something. And But I don't think he was threatening to push her off. I think he was just trying to choke her out. That's what I think too. But, yeah. you know, if you're choking her out, you might kill her too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You might as well exactly. throw her over the balcony if you're going to do that. <laughs> I'm, yeah. just, it, I'm just saying. Let's just say it did not look good. It, it, it was scary. And thankfully, Lankford and the other police got up there fast. Maggie made it up there and Lankford makes the arrest. And, you know, Maggie comforts Tanya. So, again, at this point, they think they've got him again. So we don't learn much more about that story in this episode. So we'll have to see how it pans out in the finale. But uh, yeah, he's. It leads you to assume that they have him, though. Yeah, I mean, they've made the arrest. They've made the arrest. That's so. what I'm saying. So, it, mm-hmm. I mean, we have to find out the actual resolution. But mm-hmm. in my mind, all right, this guy's caught now. It's just a matter of, you know, what happens. Right. I don't think he's getting out. Yeah. Just a prediction. <laughs> yeah. And that's, so that's just that's just where his their story kind of. To me, that was kind of wrapped up because yeah. there was no cliffhanger in my mind. He they mm-hmm. have proof of him trying to hurt somebody, so they have him on all kinds of charges now. Yeah, yeah, he's on the They wire. have enough time they have him with enough charges to hold him long enough to dig yeah. the rest of the stuff out. Yeah. Oh yeah, they have his confession and then they have obviously what he was doing to to Tanya. So, so I believe that's all that's going to be almost done, yeah. Yeah. So, uh let's shift back to the very beginning of the episode. We see Mickey and Izzy out on his balcony. Um, she has spent the night there. He rescued her in the last episode when she was just about to uh, do some drugs, came so close, but called upon him for help. And he got her out of there and she uh, spent the night in Haley's room. So she's uh, feeling better. She assures him, you know, this, I think she calls it a stumble, not a fall, because he's concerned. Well, he also like, had one earlier in the season. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, I owe you, you know, kind of like now they even kind of, he was there when he, you know. Yeah, they've been helping each other. They've been there to, to support one another um, through those close calls and stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, she seems in good spirits and they're talking about Trevor Elliott and she just doesn't get it like the rest of us. Why is this guy going to go on the stand? Because um, she thought, you know, court would be finishing up and they would go to I guess closing arguments but he said Trevor wanted to be on the stand so that's what they're going to do and yeah it just still boggles my mind with him but we also get a sort of fun scene interesting scene with Mickey trying desperately to prep Trevor for going on the stand you know he, he does not feel good about it obviously but since Trevor's insisting he's trying to give him some tips on how to just get this you know, like, like brief to the point, just focus on his love for his, you know what I thought about that? what do you think? I thought he was trying to try his hardest to get Trevor Elliott to not want to testify. Mm, Let me just angle. Yeah. He threw a lot at him that some of the stuff wasn't even really, I felt like wasn't going to be told in the courtroom. Maybe it was, maybe it was just in case thing. 
Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was one of those like, all right, cool. I'll give it a shot. Just to, you know, this person is not going to be as good as I am. So if you can handle if you can handle the, the Raven surf with me, mm-hmm. I trust you to put you out there. But if you falter with me, yeah. you're either going to figure it out or I'm going to explain it to you again how you shouldn't be out there. So to me, it was yeah. a big test. Yeah, but he goes he with asked it. Him everything and he asked him in a certain way. Yeah. He was in his face like it was different. Mm-hmm. But he goes with it and he says, I have to. I don't want people to, you know, even if I get off, I don't want people to still think that I did it. And one of the best lines of the season is when Lorna says, well, I'm going to think you did it no matter what happens. Yeah. You know, she straight up tells him. I thought that was awesome. So, but yeah, he's so obsessed with what his image and what people think of him. It's not enough to, to win or to get off the charges. So, yep, they head into court and calls him to the stand. And he, he talks about, well, let, let me, this is kind of funny too. Before, before the trial begins, again and he goes on the stand remember in the lobby Golance kind of offers a plea deal to mickey oh yeah and it's just like so weak and you know and mickey kind of comments on that and he's like well i'm just not used to doing that you know he's used to this winning record so he's not used to making concessions and yeah. it was just kind of funny to see him in that position kind of conceding yeah yeah and and he just like was not adept at it he just it, it he hadn't really done it before so for our for our football fans out there since it's football season what's happening here in football terms (laughs) is they have to just kneel the ball and run out the clock and they have the win and the defense has conceded however this guy wants to throw the ball in the end zone (laughs) yeah go for the touchdown to run up the score for no reason and give the other team a chance to actually steal the win back and turn a 99.9 percent chance of victory into a 74 percent chance or 54 percent chance so that's what's going on it is. And what speaking of sports metaphors, you know, Mickey used one with Izzy when he was trying to explain that why Trevor, you know, his thinking about going on the stand, he used the boxing metaphor that yes. he didn't want to just win on points. You know, he wanted to he wants to brawl and become, yeah, yeah go come out swinging. In the end. And I've seen so, that in boxing matches. Yeah. Where the guy's up eight rounds and it's the last two and he just wants it, you know, all the talking before the fight. Now you want to get yeah. yours out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you want to show you're a finesse fighter, but you also want to sh- have your opponent be like, "Wow, he beat me down." Yeah, yeah. So it's it's more of a um, a pride, you know. But we also know from what they said in um previous episodes that they're not just trying to be innocent; they're trying to create a hero out of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you know, well, he doesn't is- he doesn't want he doesn't want just a not guilty. He wants people to think he's innocent. And Lauren has already told him, "I'm not going to think you're innocent," and not it's just it's just not the way. The court system works but that's that yeah you, that's his goal he wants to be this hero that you know was falsely accused and them think he's innocent not came guilty back is, from the end and then yeah. yeah i yep. yeah i mean i get i get it but like dude the consequences are bad yeah it's the risk that you're, you're taking and it just yeah, you know but, it just doesn't add up and the and, reward is not even worth it no because people are still going to think you did it right. no matter what so yeah, as much as you want to accomplish matter. that, it's not going to happen. But Mickey says, tells Golance, okay, I can take it to my client, but I don't, I don't think that's, you know, going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It doesn't. So he, it, Mickey gets Trevor up there and he, he focuses on, you know, again, his love for Laura. And he talks about his, him fighting for his wife, wanting to save his marriage. You know, that that's the focus. And he even asks him outright on the stand, did you kill her? And he, you know, emphatically says no. Well, then it's the prosecution's turn to talk to Trevor on the stand. 
and they start poking holes in the, you know, in the story again. Why were you not canceling your meetings? If you were going out here to take a trip, you know, wanted to rescue, you know, sweep your wife. They off had good points. Absolutely. They did. they did have good points. Why didn't you, you know, take stuff off your calendar? Why didn't you make any reservations? And then they zone in on the gun. They, because the gun, they talk about the gun being the same model as in the video game. So he's thinking, you just planned this all out. You know, that was in your mind. You used the, you know, your company, did they purchase a gun? And then you had that gun and that's the gun you used. And you know, Trevor insists he's never, you know, fired a gun ever in his life. Um, but, you know, Golance keeps pushing at him, keeps poking holes. And we see Trevor rubbing his leg. And that's the big, that's the, one of the first big reveals in the episode. As much as we all probably thought that he did it, we know now that, that he's lying because and that's. Now, now yeah. here's where the show's um, writer is great because that seed was planted four episodes ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, they were, they were doing the trial prep and he was on the thing and they saw him doing it and she mentioned it to him oh, yeah, and they left so it fine. alone. Yep. You know, they, they let it simmer. Mm-hmm. And then they brought it back where if you're paying attention and, you know, like I do, you know, like you do, yeah. like most of us do, because we're into it, you know, you're watching his mannerisms. And once you see that, you're like, all right, you know, uh, all again, of a sudden you're like, wait, what? exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> when you, it, it was very well done. And that's when, you know, because even as a book reader, I've said over and over in the podcast, I know they could still change it up. So I'm like, is he going to be different this time? Is he going to be not guilty? You know, did he not do it? And so, but then when you, when you see that, it's like, okay, that is just such a telltale sign. And, and of course, Mickey sees it. And the look on Mickey's face when he sees that, it's just like, whoa, but Mickey's got to finish this out. You know, he's got to, you know, stay the course. So now we, we know that he's lying. Golance goes into his closing arguments. And again, he's pointing at all the, um, the holes in the story, looking at all the facts. Mickey gets up there. And he had a closing argument in mind, but he talked to Lorna about it earlier in the episode that he just wasn't really thrilled about it. Just wasn't, you know, just didn't feel right. And so he goes with his gut and he starts talking about the fact that there's, um, he talks about that there's no gun and that there was not enough time for him to pull it off between the 911 call and when the cops came, uh, it was like seven minutes, I think he said it was. And so he just, lays it out there mathematically like trying to use facts as well how could he have you know changed his clothes cleaned himself up you know all of that in seven minutes and on top of that that there's no no gun was ever found so it just doesn't literally just doesn't add up so that's kind of where we end with the trial and the jury goes out to deliberate so we're waiting on a verdict meanwhile a couple of other things happened cisco has somewhere in a recess or something has talked to Mickey and he's been researching the Pavel Kosovich guy because when we think Sergei Kosovich this you know like mob guy organized crime guy is the one that's following Mickey and putting the pressure on on the trial and everything well Cisco just never really bought that for sure and so he's digging and it turns out that he gets a hold of a third roommate. Pavel Kosovich was the sec- was one roommate of Trevor Elliott in college, but then there was a third. And the, this third roommate tells him, oh, he, Pavel hated Trevor. He would never, you know, encourage or let his dad help him in any way. There's just no way. So this has Cisco worried and he brings it to Mickey. You know, it just doesn't add up. It's, I think this is all made up. 
So the bigger problem, who is following you? So he just, just still feels like there's this real threat out there because we know his, you know, his car was bugged and everything. We know that he's been followed and listened in on his conversations and everything. So some, well, someone's doing it. So who is it? So Cisco, it's just like his hackles are up. Just something doesn't feel right. Feels like there's some real danger and they've got to figure it out. Um, another thing that happened before they go into deliberation, Lauren, I remember the insurance lady, Carol Dubois. Okay. He, she talks to her and she apologizes because Carol has showed up every day for trial. And she, you know, Lorna just kind of realizes, man, she really did care about this guy. And she's been here to support, you know, the fight for justice. And, and she tells her that she, you know, is sorry that she didn't tell her up front that she was sorry that she lost her friend. That was, she was just thinking about the, the trial and the facts. So that's an interesting exchange. And so at this point, you know, they're just waiting for the verdict and it comes back and Trevor gets off. So uh, he gets a not guilty verdict and he looks all relieved and congratulates Mickey. But, you know, we can tell Mickey doesn't feel super about it. Right. Well, I mean, he just found out that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Mickey's just really disappointed and you can see it on his face. And so the next thing, one of the next things we see is Mickey pays a visit to Eli Wims. You know, he's still in the mental hospital and Mickey is trying to make some amends for that situation. He gets him to sign an affidavit about what happened and how Jerry put him there and all that, because he wants him to be able to make a claim against the estate of, of Jerry. Of Jerry. Is that right? I gotta look that up. I know there was something yeah, he put him up there like on run wrongfully or wrongfully something. And right. He should he should not have held him there. So yeah, he gets him to sign an affidavit about you know the timing and what happened and how Jerry kind of stashed him there, basically. And that's just that was not right. And so he wants him to have the opportunity to file a claim against Jerry Vincent's estate to get some kind of retribution you know for what he put him through you know stashing him there so that that evidence would you know kind of stay suppressed so it it, Eli is you know he's appreciative but it still doesn't give him back all that time you know that he's been sitting there in the hospital and when he's you know put on all those drugs and everything and as they're talking they see Trevor up on the screen and maybe it's I don't know is it Trevor and Mickey a little news conference but he talks about how Mickey uh, got the glory, you know, he yeah. you know, won the case, but that Jerry did the dirty work. Mickey picks it up after, you know, all the dirty work has been done. And then he gets the, he gets the win. He gets the victory. He gets the, you know, the high profile win. And that really seems to register in Mickey's mind and it, it resonates with him. And we, see him head over to the like impromptu party that Trevor's having at his office for, um, you know, for the not guilty verdict, everyone's celebrating champagne, all that good stuff. And this is where Mickey confronts Trevor. And it's a pretty long conversation and a lot comes out. What, what was the biggest part of that to you? We can kind of walk through what they said. But how he the, did it. <laughs> how he did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's for me too. The how. Because we so, all just had a whole explanation of how it was impossible for him to move those things out of the way and they searched the grid for it. Yeah. But you I have didn't to... think... Go ahead. I didn't think it was going to be that. I didn't think it was going to be a drone. 
Yeah, no, I hadn't thought of that at all. And I mean, we'd seen him flying that drone, you know, multiple times and it never, never, never crossed my mind. But then it just made perfect sense, you know. Yeah, it added all <laughs> up that why they even showed the drone in different parts of the season, another seed that just flowered and bloomed. And here yeah. we are like, oh, here snap. we are. Now it makes sense. So that was that was like a super big reveal, the how to. But even leading up to that, he confronts him about the why. And he says that Laura didn't get what she wanted. And it dawned on him. He put it together that or believes Mickey believes that Laura actually made the code that crossed the uncanny valley, which made the character seem so real and that she did it. He's putting the pieces together saying and she did that while she was at Chaos Games. So you really never even owned it. And if she wanted to divorce you and then take credit back for that, you know, it could just harm his reputation, his company, everything. And he says that's what Trevor was afraid of. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, I believe it was being alluded to throughout the season also about yeah. no, uh, the game was hers and not his. We just didn't, we didn't know it was going to lead to this. So we didn't really put the pieces right. together to just now. Right. Yeah. No, it def yeah, you're right. It is a theory that could be sort of drawn throughout the series but it, well, now that really we know what happened and how it happened and why it mm -hmm. happened now you can go back and say okay let me pull these things together and untangle yeah. the knot it's easy yep i think what really hit him was when eli used that you know that terminology doing the jerry did the dirty work and you got the glory you know and then it just really resonated that and it clicked like oh she made that code she was the brilliant one. She did all that, you know, work and he took the credit for it. And then he gets all the glory from this company and we go from there. So yeah, if she, cause you know, if she wanted a divorce, then she could go right back to chaos games and say that I, I made this code when I was working here and then it just you know, blows up everything for Trevor, which goes back to his ego. So much of this has been about his ego. He wanted credit for it. He didn't want to lose credit for it. He didn't want to be shamed. It was all about his image. And it's interesting. If you go back and listen to my interview with Christopher Gorham, who played Trevor Elliott, I, we talk a little bit about this. Like, was it really just his ego the whole time? But at playing the character, he does emphasize that he's still the character. Trevor really loved his wife, but that he didn't, you know, he had these other interests too. So it's almost like they just came, you know, to a head. And we're conflicting, but it's kind of be interesting to go back and listen to exactly how he described that at this point. So, but you know, Trevor just scoffs at Mickey, like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, you think you have it all figured out, but we've got attorney-client privilege and all that, and there's nothing he can do. But I think Mickey wants him to know that he knows, you know. Yeah. So so he's heading out, he's back in his car, he gets a call. It's an LAPD officer and says that. Izzy is somewhere passed out, which it makes sense because earlier in the episode, like the day of the, the closing day of the trial, we see her outside a bar and her she's we see text messages with her ex that she wants her to join her for a drink. And you can tell Izzy's like kind of struggling with it. So we're like, oh, I guess she I guess she went ahead and agreed and you know went and got a drink. So now now Mickey's getting this call. So it adds up. And for us, the audience. And so the officer says that, you know, she's passed out in her car. Um, she needs to leave, that he's going to have to you know, impound it and take her in if someone doesn't come get her quickly. So Mickey agrees to do it. It's up on this overlook and it's dark. It's nighttime. Mickey's walking around. Where's the car? 
Where's Izzy? He's crawling out. And then bam, he gets hit on the back of the head. Now I gasped when that happened. I, I'm so easily like, you can get me really well, but did that really <laughs> surprise you? Did you see it so coming? So <laughs> it did. I, okay, so here's the thing. It didn't surprise me. I didn't see it coming. Let's start with that. I didn't see okay. it coming. Um, I expected him to go find Izzy passed out somewhere yeah. either, you know, because like I said, I'm looking to see what, what your big story is for episode 10. However, once yeah. I seen him get hit, I wasn't like, oh, my God, who did that? I said, oh, my God, the guys who are really following him that aren't these guys that we found out this episode, but somebody's following him just got him. Mm-hmm. So now well, that's going to be our big story. And did you recognize the guy right away as McSweeney, the, the juror number seven? Did yes. you recognize that was him right away? Yeah. I, I, be- I Because here's the thing. When I first watched it, mm-hmm. I watched it in a binge. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it was only what five hours later, four hours later. Yeah. Yeah. Still in your you mind. Know, yeah. So yeah. I knew in the back of my mind how it went down. However, if I were to watch this show in intervals each week, yeah, probably not ten weeks later. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't recognize the voice. Then when I saw his face, I was like, oh wait, that's the juror guy. He well, at first be- I thought it was Trevor Elliott. Oh, you did? Yeah, that went through my mind, that's too. It, it could be. I was like, is that Trevor Elliott? But then I saw that it was, you know, the not him. number seven. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew when he started walking around and didn't immediately see her car. I knew I figured something was up, but, you know, it didn't it didn't all come together for me until we saw the guy. You know, he says that you and Jerry should have just gone along with everything, you know, but Mickey's, you know, we know he's but been trying to do know, the right thing. Who took out Jerry? Exactly. And, and, you know, Mickey's been trying to sort of right the wrongs or uh, of Jerry, but, you know, Jerry was obviously have starting to talk to the feds or something, you know, he was going to do that continuance. So he didn't go along with the program. He got killed. And then as Mickey's trying to figure everything out and try to right some of the wrongs, he's not going along with the program and he gets whacked on the head. And that's where we end the episode. But that, that scene and the scene where that guy, what was his name? Oh, the... The investigator for Jerry, it gets hit by the car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I oh. I gasped out loud when that happened. Well, that was different. Yeah, that one caught me too. That caught me, and then I did gasp out loud when he got hit on the head. Not that I didn't think someone was going to come up or someone was going to meet him there or pull a gun, but the the whack on the head just kind of surprised me. So, and I I asked um, Manuel a little bit about that scene um, in our interview. So listen in and see what he has to say about that. But that's kind of where we are. That is where we I had are. Had to say I one think. thing. Yeah. I need more Cisco. Yeah. You didn't get a lot of Cisco. Cisco is, well, I'm going to talk about him more in a little bit, probably. But yeah, we could, we could have used more Cisco this episode. He's busy in the background, you know. He's no, but they have that picture. whole little story going on with him and um, the bikers. And- yeah. You want more of what's going yeah, on? Yeah, what's going on? Why is mm-hmm. he so worried about them doing business with um, Mickey? And what is the business? And, yeah. you know, you could have held two reveals and gave me a little bit of Cisco story for 10 minutes. I'm just, I'm just saying as a Cisco fan, I'm I biased. Have you said that multiple times in multiple podcasts? Yeah, you more know me. Cisco. More yeah, Cisco. Yeah, Cisco's the Moe's from Bosch. Anybody who's like in that position where they just chill and kind of get things done and smooth and... You know, I, I like that stuff. Or like even in Cisco's case, he just, what was it? Um, I don't know if this was what episode it was when he's like, he's like what, what's uncle are you or something like that? Or oh, like yeah. That? Yeah. And he's like, I'm the one you call when you need someone's legs broken. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. you just, yeah. you got to like somebody like that, even if you know they're a bad guy. 
Yeah. Well, and we don't really think he's a bad guy anymore. We know he sounds like he's done stuff, but. But now I'm going to channel my energy. Listen, I love Cisco and this is Uh not personal, but guess what? If you've done bad things in your life and you don't do them no more, you're still probably a bad guy. Well, and you're still capable. You're still capable of it. But it's hard to get over that arc. Think about it. We watch TV shows all the time. Mm -hmm. How many times has a bad guy by from season one by season four become the good guy? In real life, people, you know, a lot of people don't give you that second chance that these TV show guys get. So, yes, I'm just saying, personally, off the record, do I think he's a good guy based on his um, resume? No. (laughs) Based on his resume, no. (laughs) But this this moment right now, I love Cisco. I want more of Cisco, and he's the man. We love what he's doing for Mickey. And great actor, by the yeah. way. Great yeah. actor. Wow. I like the faces. The faces sell it all. You just yeah, know what he's saying. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to do. We did one thing we didn't mention um, that we learned in this episode is that I think Cisco found this out too, that the guy Raj did reach out to Glory Days, the the prostitute who does the girlfriend yeah. experience weekends or whatever. So she'll be coming into town. So we got that coming up, whatever's going to happen with that. There's a lot of stuff coming up. I didn't even realize until yeah. I was at the end of the episode and was like, okay, now I see what's coming up. Yeah, you're left with wondering some stuff still. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's move into our person of interest then. Do you want to go first? I risk you taking mine. You know what? I'm going to, while we're here, I'm just going to go with Mickey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just finished his whole thing with the case. He has all these loose ends coming up. You know, someone's chasing him. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been chasing him. He just got, you know, I guess kidnapped. So, <laughs> you know, I normally don't pick him because we normally have three people here and somebody always takes him. Yeah. So I'll take him now because I'm not going to take him next week. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a big episode for Mickey. He had a lot of revelations. Uh, he did good work in the courtroom, no doubt. And then he's got a, you know, finding out that realization that trevor really did that's what i said so much happened to him yeah he just he's been through a lot this episode and then got whacked on the head so yeah i i thought about doing mickey but um i went with cisco because we did even though you both both you and i would like some more cisco in this episode he was doing a lot in the background he was finding out good information and he's like he's just so protective of mickey he knows it just doesn't makes sense something with that you know Sergei Kosovich stuff didn't make sense to him so he investigates even though Mickey didn't ask him to and he realizes it's not them that was just made up and so now he's you know he's trying to care for Mickey and um, he is a good investigator but you can tell that he really cares about him too he's like someone else is there's someone else following you something is up we've got to figure this out now of course at the end you know we see McSweeney juror number seven is, is the one that whacked him on the head but maybe if he'd listened to cisco a little more about it he wouldn't have i mean he would have responded to that call anyway but as soon as he saw that there wasn't a car there i don't know if he should have gotten out in the dark looking around but my point is cisco is always if he's not in the forefront he's still in the background doing good work and having mickey's best interests at heart so smart dude well, Anytime we talk about Cisco, I'm open. <laughs> I'm okay with it. He can be the president of it just every episode. As a matter of fact, I, 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 episode 10, we all just pick Cisco and just talk about Cisco as much as we can. Okay. Or we can have a, just a Cisco-centric episode after the finale. We could just... And we have to get him in for an interview or actually uh, have him join yeah. the podcast live and ask some live questions. That would be A+. plus. All right. Well, I think you have some trivia for me. Not some, just one. 
Okay, one. I tried to go as simple as possible because I knew it was going to be Don't do that. Don't do that because then if I don't Listen, get it, <laughs> it's really No, but okay. So this is like, this is simple if you've been podcasting with Pete for four years. It's not simple if you, um, you know, because you, I'm, a, I'm assuming at this point you actually stop and look for stuff. So towards the end of the episode, when he's sitting down and he's text messaging with Izzy, right? And, you mm-hmm. know, the, the moment she asks him if he needs a ride and whatever, and he says he's good. So on that text message, Izzy writes to him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he wrote, he wrote, you know, whatever. And then she wrote, traffic is blank. What is the word? Oh, no. I'm going to have to guess a word. Traffic is bad. <laughs> I know it's no, not I actually, bad. believe it or not, it was the quite opposite because I believe, wow. I, I don't memorize the rest of the story. It was something like, um, do you need me? I could be there in this much time. Traffic is chill. Oh, which right. means she that she can get yeah. there and, and yeah. Yeah. So really I paused it. it on chill. Oh, that's good. That's good. I remember. I mean, yeah, it totally makes sense now. You know, it was on the screen for like a quick second, but you had to yeah. pause it to really make right. out the whole conversation. Yeah. Well, and now that I mean, now I remember that the whole point that she was saying, OK, if you're sure, because traffic's fine, I can come do it if you need me. Yes. To. Yeah. I totally remember that now. Ugh. I got to start making notes on trivia. I make notes on like content and what's happening but i need to just like make random you know what's funny about trivia i'm terrible at trivia right but it's really easy to create trivia i feel (laughs) but it's really hard to answer trivia because there you go i like didn't have a trivia question and it was like 20 minutes before your podcast and i'm like breezing through the episode fast forwarding and looking for any freeze frame that i can freeze i know and that looks like a pete you know worthy question (laughs) i always think i should pay attention to addresses of course, names, well, names of well, that's places. Because the there was a couple license plates in that episode too. So I was like, yeah. if Tracy's pausing license plate, see Jay, Jay, I'm gonna give I'm Jay not... credit for this. Jay figured out my algorithm, algorithm, yeah. and he started being like, okay, I'm counting blueberries, I'm counting these number, any number that appeared, any letter, any fruit, yeah. any kind of thing I, in intervals, think, he was counting. I think Mike, who helps us out a lot, is on to you, your algorithm now too, even so. It's a lot of work, though, because you're guessing for about potentially 115 trivia questions and you get two or one. Yeah. I don't, so I'm, I'm sending them on a goose hunt. License plates, though. I'm, I'm gonna draw I don't blame you. You're, you're, you're editing and you're reading and you're going <laughs> through your right. Like, you know what I'm saying? For people who don't understand, Tracy is the engine of this operation. OK, Aww. Tracy, listen, I don't care what anybody says. By far, I come on. I talk about the podcast. Yes, I watch it. I make notes. But Tracy does. 10 times more work deserves the credit it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for tracy well good job tracy. it wouldn't be it wouldn't be what it is without you guys so i it takes everybody listen we we, we we make we make the stuff happen but there's an engine there's a nucleus that actually yeah. you know what i'm saying is the yeah. creator you're the creator yeah i'm like fred flintstone with my feet you know driving the car trying yeah well you also built the car <laughs> yeah I kinda, we're just yeah. helping you drive it that's the best way to put it well, that's very nice. We got to keep it up. Keep it up. And we got their writing season two. It's just good to know that Lincoln Lawyer season two is, is happening. Yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned for the interview with Ted and Manuel Garcia Rufo. And hope you enjoy that. And we will be back to talk about the finale. So that's it for tonight. I'm out. See ya. Later. What's up, Ted? How are you? Good. I'm I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for, thanks for, 
Thanks for doing this. Tracy does a podcast that, and they've really talked up the show in a big way. And uh, she interviewed Becky and Chris Gorham and uh, has interviewed me before. So I thought it'd be great to get you and I on quickly and just answer a few questions. Yeah, I'm very grateful for your time. So thank you so much. No, it's a, it's a pleasure for me to be here. So yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to ask you some questions and see get some of your thoughts. So I asked Ted about this already, but I wanted to find out how do you feel about the reception of the series? I mean, obviously you would be happy, um, but I don't know, did you have any sort of target or expectation that you hoped for? Um, no, it, <laughs> I mean, I'm really happy. That's for, you know, really, really, we all are. I think, you know, sure. really happy. I, you know, in some, in some parts, I, I, I kind of knew you know, because the team that was behind it, you know, Ted mm-hmm. being behind the show, Netflix being behind, David Kelly, which, you know, right. uh, and of course, Michael Connolly, who's like, you know, already has a good, um, you know, fan base that is really, yeah. really big. So in some, in some part of me, you know, there was that, that it was going to be a success. But, you know, then you have this thoughtful thing that you're like, oh, my God, you know, it, it's yeah. always there, you know, that little monster. Sure. Um, sure. But now I'm, so I'm, I'm really... I'm really, really happy about the response and, and, you know, all the messages and, you know, the love that people have been giving uh, to the show. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of love for the show, there's a lot of heart in Mickey, in the, in the character and relatability. And I was telling Ted in another conversation that I really feel like that made Mickey so much more believable and, you know, relatable. Mm. Was that indicated specifically in the script or more of a personal choice or both? Like how he came to be just like everybody's man, you know, like I could feel like I could go up and talk to right. him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think that's, that's who Mickey Holler is. You know, I think it's, he's a, he's a man that connects with all kinds of people, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, he can go with the, you know, with the, with the gang bikers and he will connect, you know, he'll be just, sure. he will blend in and he will go with the Cholos in the East LA and he will blend in as well. Then with the mm-hmm. rich, you know, he has that, that charm, that charisma and that, I guess, like an angel that, you know, he connects with people really well. I, I think that also in me personally, I really wanted to, you know, with the talks with Ted, mm-hmm. um, you know, I really wanted to focus on his vulnerability you know, to make him really human because, you know, he's coming, we, we find Mickey at the beginning, you know, at, at his, at, at his worst or, right. at, you know, at, at, you know, at this bottom of his life. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to feel that heaviness of being, that comes for, uh, from being an addict. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I really, I really wanted to, to, to bring that vulnerability, yeah. uh, you know, that comes with the, with the addiction and with not working and all this you know, this, uh, they're not feeling very confident. And I think people connect with that, you know, because it makes them more human. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I'm just very grateful. And, uh, you know, Ted is a very, he's a wonderful writer and, and he, the way he tells stories. So I think we just, we, you know, we kind of agree on that, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Well, it, it, it worked wonderfully. I think that's just really one of many things, but I think that's definitely a part of why people caught on so well with the series and just are waiting and hoping for more. So 
fantastic in that way. Yeah. Cool. What do you think Mickey wants for his reputation? Like he said specifically, he doesn't want to be a high profile attorney, but he has taken some elements of his father's work and, and personality. Mm-hmm. How do you think he wants people to picture him? I think that there's a part of him that he does love the spotlight, even though okay. he says no. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like he, he, he wants a success, I think. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Absolutely. he loves it. And he, he, you know, he thrives by it. Like, uh, by his work maybe not the spotlight but to to be the best you, you know what i mean mm-hmm. like absolutely yeah um um so yeah i think that's you know that's what's in it behind his mind uh, all the time i think okay okay he won't really admit it but it, it's there yeah yes exactly yeah, yeah. Awesome. It, awesome. maybe I, maybe I, in I, season yeah. two or future seasons we might see him you know uh get burned a little bit by that Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was yeah. wondering. But I, love, I, I love that character. Oh, well, he, he is well loved. So you, you've, you've definitely yeah. done a great job there. The fight scene at that, well, he, Mickey gets knocked out at the end of nine, and then there's the fight scene in 10. Can you tell me a little bit about filming that? Was there stunt work? Did you land a punch? Uh, uh- <laughs> No, we, we had we had stunts and um, okay. we, we had a, a great team of stunts and you know we choreograph the you know I mean I'm 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 well not that I'm a good <laughs> very athletic but I'm a good uh, I've been doing this film you know I had Michael Bay so you know I'm sure. kind of used to the stunt kind of thing yeah um, but yeah yeah but I always love them they're, they're very fun although that night was like. Four o'clock in the morning. Wow. Um, right, Ted? Yeah, it was. Don't, it was like don't, three let, don't, or let <laughs> don't let Manuel be modest. He's like Steve McQueen. He's doing all, all right. Of He's like jumping off a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're down. Uh, yeah, it was like four. It was four in the morning. It was, you know, I think the audience doesn't always realize the long hours that go into this, right? Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. at night. <laughs> When you see stuff like a long scene like that at night, just know that the people making that were up all night. All night. Might have been two or three nights in a row sometimes or whatever, right? But it was mm-hmm. like all night of, of doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There's only so many hours of daylight or of nighttime, right? So if you're going to shoot a long scene, you're taking up all of them. So Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It, was, it was very effective. And I'm afraid of heights. So even though I'm glad Mickey came out oh, unscathed, it was very uh, disturbing for me to see that guy go off the overlook. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, in, in the show. I'm, I'm with you with the heights. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. That was great. Be sure to come back for part two of our interview with Ted and Manuel on the next episode of the podcast. <laughs>